This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process and for authors to learn valuable tips on producing and marketing your audiobooks. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi there. Thank you so much for being with me. Today, we're going to focus on why starting your audiobook process with a finished manuscript matters so much. Let's dive in. We've had many clients over the years who have come to us and we make sure that they're sending us the finished manuscript and they assure us that it is finished. And we believe them. We have no reason not to. But here's what can happen. Once they listen to the finished recorded text, they may either notice that some of their sentence construction isn't quite as clean and the way that they would like it to sound when spoken, or they may get really inspired and have new ideas about ways that they could manage the audiobook version of their book. The challenge here is that the recording, the editing has already happened. And implementing changes after the fact, after this part of the production has happened, is problematic in ways that many authors are surprised by. And that's why we're doing this episode today. I want to give you a behind-the-scenes peek at what it takes to do corrections or changes after the fact, and why making changes later after the recording and editing is complete, why that is problematic. To set the stage, let's think about the writing process. We're all very familiar with using programs like Microsoft Word, for example, to write text. And of course, Changing text in a Word document is quite simple. We can select the text, we can cut it, we can paste it, we can move it, rearrange it. We can do all kinds of things simply with a little bit of mouse work. Very easy. And that's the beginning of the misconception about how it works in audio, because it is a very different process in the audio world. When you imagine that the simplicity of working with text carries over into the audio world, that's where you're going to be uh, misunderstanding what's happening, what's required, and potentially frustrated by the fact that your audiobook producer may tell you that they either can't or won't, or that it will be very expensive for them to do what you're asking if, in fact, you're asking for changes after that recording and editing has already happened. So let's take that next step 
deeper into the rabbit hole and take a look at what some of these processes look like behind the scenes. Step number one is opening the project. Now, with a Word document, it's as simple as a click of a mouse and you're probably your document will open almost instantaneously. With a sound program, a DAW, as we call them, the process is much longer. And that is because the audio files that have to load up to run that program are much more robust, much larger files. And so the time that it takes to open any project is actually something that should be considered in the time that it takes for your narrator and for your editor to each open up that project. The next step in making a change, if we're thinking about Word, would be to find the place where you want to make that change. Well, in Word, that's as simple as a control or command F and type in your text and suddenly you can quickly find the location that you're looking for. In the audio world, we don't have that easy way of doing a search and find like you do with text. This is why it's really important that in your process of review, that you are keeping track of the timestamps. And what that means is keeping track of the time locations as you're listening to the file, what is the time that has elapsed since you started so that you know where that correction needs to take place. If you're not tracking that and you're just saying, oh, it's where this sentence is or pointing it out in the document, the word text or the manuscript, then we don't have that same kind of ability to do a quick search and find. It's much more of a hunt and peck with a very large keyboard, if you can imagine. Now, compared to the next piece that we would need to deal with, a little another step down into the rabbit hole, these first two are pretty simple. This next piece is where you're really going to see the difference and the impact of trying to make a change after the fact. These are just as true for errors. So when a narrator maybe says the wrong word or something has to be changed about sentence, let's say, for example, a noise happened and they didn't notice that the noise happened at the time, but it can't be taken out in post-production and that might require a re-record of a sentence. All of those legitimate changes that need to happen are also subject to these same conditions. But what I want to do here is I'm kind of giving you this behind-the-scenes picture is helping you understand why it's best to minimize the number of pickups that you ask of your narrator. The overarching concept or point about this section of this episode that we're, where we're covering this topic is that trying to get your audio to perfectly match and fit in where you are replacing something is a significant thing. It is actually one of the hardest things, I think, for any voiceover talent or narrator to be able to match really well the work that they have done on one day with an insertion from another day. 
to give you a kind of everyday scenario way for you to think about this is what is your voice like before you've, like when you've just gotten up in the morning, before any coffee or any breakfast or anything, what does your voice sound like? Have you ever noticed that it sounds different than it does maybe mid-afternoon on a call with somebody or late at night when you're exhausted? There are many qualities of your voice that may be changing. The energy level, certainly, the tone of your voice, just the quality, for example, how if it's rough or if it's uh, smoother or if it's maybe more even more airy, the quality of your voice can also change for many reasons, some of which are related to the time of day or one day compared to another, just what your mood is like, that sort of thing. And a little further into this episode, I'm going to give you some examples so you can hear more about what I'm referring to. There are many different aspects of this that we'll be covering. In terms of the process, what has to happen is first you find that place where you're going to need to re-record, you listen to it, and then you record the correction. If you just continue on to your next correction and don't do anything else, it is most likely that the correction that you just did is going to stand out. It's going to be noticeable that you made a change. So in order to mitigate that and make sure that you do have a really good, smooth flow and that it doesn't sound like you've stepped in and made a change on another day, You need to listen to the narration leading into that pickup and the narration leading out of it. In this way, you're going to listen to that whole section or a section that includes at least a few seconds before and after plus the pickup so that you can determine whether you've matched up with your energy, with your tone, with your pacing, with the modulation All of these different aspects of the narration are going to play in in a more important way than they would if you were just continuing narration that you had already been doing because of the fact that you don't want to distract the listener with an obviously cut-in piece of audio. So most of the time, after you've done that initial record unless you're really, really good at it and you hit it just right, you're most likely going to need to re-record it, trying to make those tiny adjustments to match and get that flow just right. And many times it'll take multiple re-records to get it just right. Then your next pickup, as you move on, having felt satisfied with the completion of that one, The next pickup you do may have been from another day's session. Very possible, almost likely. And so as you move forward through from pickup to pickup, you're going to each time have to do this find, record, re-record, maybe re-record a few times, trying to match the particular bit of narration before and after each pickup that has been requested. Okay, we're going to take just a short pause, and when we come back, we're going to listen to some examples of some of these ways that pickups may not sound as smooth as you would like. 
We'll be right back. There is nothing like a great book to transport you to new worlds. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working on projects that transport the listener. We pay attention to the details, like making sure we have actors that can clearly differentiate the character voices, making for a great listening experience. If you have a book that you would like to get into audio, and you're looking for a team with a personalized approach, Pro Audio Voices might be just the right fit. Come visit us at ProAudioVoices.com. Okay, and we're back. We're going to take a listen to some examples of some pickups that are not as good as we would like them to be. So this first one is from a project where the issue you'll hear is levels. Getting the level just right. There are some other issues as well, but this one is to highlight what can happen This is particularly can happen when you have a narrator who is trying to do their own editing and they don't know how to do this process from the technical perspective. They don't know how to do it very well. So this first one is about levels. Chapter 41. Travelling to Greece. The flight time to Amsterdam was a little over 11 hours. Juliet fell asleep shortly after we took off. I could do nothing but reflect on my situation. Once again, my life was leaving the world as I knew it, into the world of immortals. Things were happening faster than my mind could assimilate. Events, compounded by trauma, were beginning to take their toll. I started feeling anxious. I put my hand on Juliet's arm. Juliet, I whispered. Wake up, please. What? said Juliet as she turned toward me. I'm sorry to wake you, but did you want something? Juliet asked. Oh, Juliet, I'm so stressed and upset. Okay, but I want a cup of tea first, said Juliet. I need to wake up. I'm still thick with sleep. I pressed the service button above my seat. When the flight attendant responded, I asked her to bring us some tea. Juliet had been in a very deep sleep and it did take her a while to wake up. There was very little conversation during this time. When we finished tea, I began by explaining the dream I had when I lay unconscious in Manaus, and that I was having problems separating reality from fiction. Most of the information you have on the situation, I told you while you were in a coma, said Juliet. I checked on you periodically. Usually when I went inside your mind... You are having some adventure in the Himalayas and Tibet. Pieces of that adventure were taken from the information I told you. I was actually deep in Mount Sumeru at the core light. I was seeking help from the great powers, those greater than myself. What about the strange horses and the giant people? Do such things really exist? I asked. And why are we going through Amsterdam to get to Athens? That seems a little out of the way. Juliet took a moment to assimilate all my questions. The horses brought comfort to your mind, I guess. And the giant people are your mind's interpretation of... Well, I don't know, said Juliet. And we are going through Amsterdam because I never like to go directly anywhere. Repeating the same way of doing things can sometimes be dangerous. Right now, 
we might be followed by someone. I sat there in the dark of the plane. I thought about my father and Aunt Ingrid and the danger they were in. I felt helpless and started to cry. Now that I knew the name of evil, I feared it so. Now, Kate, said Juliet, and she put her arms around me and held me close. You will be safe in Lesbos. Ursula will look after you. Agares can't find us there, I whimpered. Oh, he can find us there, but he cannot penetrate the mountain. It was given to me as a sanctuary. Hans is also in danger and fleeing Agares. He should be there when we arrive. I did not relish the idea of being anywhere near Hans. Yes, he was handsome and had a charming personality. Yes, Hans had taken me to a new level of erotica. But Hans was a vampire, and that scared me. Again, I had to trust Juliet. With the help of the great powers, I will confront my nemesis. Only then will we be safe. Juliet's voice sounded strong and resolute. All right, but will I be safe from Hans? Hans will not bother you. Trust me. Hans is the least of your worries. Just stay there in the mountain. You cannot leave, for you might be captured, or worse, killed. I felt so vulnerable. What is stopping Agares from finding us now? I asked. I could feel my heart beating hard in my chest. I'm sure I looked upset. The flight attendant walked over. She must have noticed Juliet consoling me. Is everything all right, ladies? Asked the attendant. It was her job to make sure that our trip was comfortable, and since we were flying first class, it wasn't unusual that she asked at that moment. Still, there was a heavy feeling of emotions, and I'm sure our attendant picked up on that energy. Would you like some more tea? She asked. Yeah, we would. Chamomile tea, please, said Juliet. Not that we really wanted some tea. Juliet just wanted the attendant to leave. When she did, Juliet returned her attention to me. Right now, Agares is looking for Hans, Juliet explained. I hope Hans makes it to Lesvos before Agares finds him. As for you, Kate, you just try to stay calm. As long as you are with me, you're safe. It's not you he wants, it's me. Juliet and I turned off our cabin lights and sat quietly in the dark of the evening. Our flight attendant returned with our tea, then left. Juliet fixed me a cup of tea first. She took some powder out of her bag and put a pinch of it into my tea. Here, drink this and rest, she said. When you wake up, you will feel much stronger, mentally and physically. I drank the tea. And for these next ones, what I've done is I've gone back into some projects that I've done on different days and recorded a change and have not made any attempt to match up the audio in the pickup from the before and after segments. This first one is focused on the energy of the piece. Okay, Dave said with more keyboard clicking. Camera one, check. Camera two, check. He clicked a button with each check until all four mechanisms came to life. And this one is more related to tone or voice quality. Who benefits from advice? 
almost without exception, the person giving advice without it being asked for is the one who benefits. And often, when advice is given in the name of help, it's at the recipient's expense. In this next one, listen to how the pacing changes. The thought made her step back, and her brow furrowed. Nothing about this playback could prove any of it. And years ago, the cadaver dogs would have searched, but they were in the wrong spot. I hope you were able to hear what I was trying to point out in terms of the kinds of problems that can happen when inserting audio and making a recording change. Now I'm going to shift. What if there is no re-record that's required, but just, let's say, for example, removing a word, editing out a word? There are problems with that as well. And while it can happen sometimes and can happen smoothly, it's really going to depend very specifically on how it was narrated in the first place. I'm going to give you an example here of how it can sound to have a sentence and then remove a word. You can hear the disjoint that happens, and it has everything to do with the way that we speak. And so take a listen to this, and you'll hear what I mean. Okay, Dave said with keyboard clicking. Camera one, check. Camera check. He clicked a button with each check until all mechanisms came to life. So as you can see or hear, when you are asking for a change, like just removing a word, while the editor might be able to make that sound smooth, you can't guarantee it, it could require a re-record by the narrator. Another request that does come up at times is rearranging. Is it okay to take one paragraph and change it around, rearrange it with another one? While this doesn't happen frequently, we have had that request. And what I'll say is that more often that can work, but the difference and the problem could be, depending on how the narrative flow is, it might sound odd or it might be okay. But I just wanted to bring that up because... It is something that sometimes people decide they want to try. Now, other kinds of changes that people sometimes request that do work in audio engineering and editing are things like adjusting the time between paragraphs, for example. But the editor is still going to need to know the timestamps, the locations in terms of the time that has elapsed within that particular audio file. And so make sure that you're always tracking where those are. And keep in mind also that listeners have different preferences, which is why many apps let them slow down the pace or speed up the pace. Your personal preference as to spacing between paragraphs as an overall global thing may be quite different from your listeners. And while I do believe that there should be space between paragraphs, I also want to caution you that if your audiobook is fully produced and during the first 15 that you should have received to do that initial review, if you didn't bring up any concerns about that issue and then you want them to go in and change space between every paragraph, 
I'm going to highly encourage you to not do that. Because here's the bottom line. You really should trust your team. Find a team that you feel you can trust and then trust them. Because trying to micromanage your audiobook team tends to backfire and just frustrate everyone. So put good attention to casting and finding the team that you want to work with, and then let them bring their skills and their creative energy to your project to help it be the very best that it can be. I hope that this has provided value to you. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at ProAudioVoices.com. Have an awesome day. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.